from Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Ken from Response Mind Digital. Ken, it's really nice to have you on. Thank you very much. I appreciate being here. Absolutely. So I'm really excited for today's discussion. And before we hop into all the details and all that, uh, Ken, just tell me a bit about who you are, what you're up to, and, and what you guys are doing. I am the CEO of Response Mind Digital, and that's a digital direct response ad agency that really specializes in mid-market growth clients. So say a company, a hundred million, trying to get to a billion dollars in sales. That's awesome. How'd you get into this? What's your story of, of getting into this space? Well, Brad, it's kind of crazy. I actually was recruited by a fellow who owned a DRTV ad agency back in the mid nineties. And I came into his company and got a lot of experience working on very large enterprise level clients like Dirt Devil, Stanley, Earthling, things like that, a wide variety. And, but what was fascinating to me was I had no knowledge of direct response when I first started with him, with this BKB advertising. And I was captivated by it because direct response is so different than other types of advertising. There's all this measurement and technique, and it's basically a marketing system. And it doesn't matter whether it's direct mail or DRTV or now digital with my company, all the principles apply. And that was very fascinating to me. So in 2001, I wanted to take all those learnings and all those techniques and apply them to internet marketing because that was starting to come on stage and they backed me and we started response mine. And the first year was okay. It was a little rocky. It always is with a new business, but by the third year I landed home Depot as a client and mm -hmm. that really blew up the agency. I went from having four employees to having 14 to having 27. So having a good anchor tenant client like that helped me start to scale. That's awesome. Yeah, I think the power of direct response marketing is so awesome to see. And I think old school, you put up a billboard, you know, the old adage, I'm, I'm, I'm wasting half my money, but I don't know which it is. That's not as exciting as when you create an ad and or a digital campaign and people respond directly to it. So I'm with you there. It's awesome. Yes. And I think... At my core, there are, I'm very drawn to the mathematics of it. I was, I'm a college dropout, but before I dropped out, I was a physics major. So all the math involved in testing and in measurement and direct response is really what uh, gets me up in the morning. I love that. So I think it's pretty impressive to land these big Fortune 500 companies as clients. And I think a lot of uh, those listening out there obviously want to grow their own uh, businesses as well and, and bring in these big clients. I know you've done that. You're telling me a bit with like the strategic networking, I think as you're calling it. Break that down for us. I'd love to hear a little bit about how you go about landing a client like Home Depot. I think it's actually pretty simple. If there's any truth to the principles of branding rather than direct response, the brand or the company with the most friends wins. That's just mm. the way it works. If you have a beloved fan base, if you have a lot of friends, a lot of contacts, you're going to 
eventually begin to generate sales and make a lot of money and, and grow. I, even in the very beginning, spent a lot of time, I didn't have any clients. So I spent a lot of time with vendors. I spent a lot of time with the Overture rep, which eventually was bought by Yahoo. I've spent a, time, a lot of time with my Google rep. He and I actually, I got tickets and took him to a boxing match out in Las Vegas because we became good friends. And these people referred business to me. So Home Depot, I landed it as a result of a vendor from Overture that was running pay-per-click referring them to me. And there was no RFP involved. There was no big pitch. It was the vendor says, this is a great guy and he knows what he's doing. We're going to give him the game ball. And the same thing with a very large regional furniture company that was introduced to me by a Google vendor. So in the beginning, I didn't, I wanted to spend time with people. I had lots of questions. What are all these how can I find more keywords, for example? What are other people doing? What are other clients doing, other brands doing? And I wasn't soliciting business. I was just spending time with them. And as a result of that, they began to make introductions for me in the beginning. And now it's not so much about the vendors because I obviously have a much bigger network after 20 years in business with thousands of LinkedIn contacts, et cetera, and hundreds of trade shows I've been to and cards I've collected and people I've connected to. But the same principles still apply, which is just go meet people, spend time with them, find out what they're working on and what their challenges are. And if you have a solution for it, you're very often have already pre-built the trust necessary for them to give you a shot. I love that. Yeah, I think relationships are so important. And from those early days to now... What does that look like now? Do you just constantly look through your network and who should I catch up with? Or do you have any sort of systematic approach to it? What does that I, look like? I do have a systematic approach. And when I say that, oh man, it's been such a crazy decade. So I went through this period in say 2001 to 2010 where it was all my contacts and a few cold calls. I have another I have a partner in the business and he made a cold call that turned out to be a fantastic long-term client, but usually it wasn't so much cold calling. It was just lots of contacts, going to get lunches, going to get dinners. Hey, I'm going to be in your town. Would you like to grab a coffee? That sort of thing. But starting in 2010, the company, I was big enough to where I thought I want to move sales outside of me. I don't want to be the linchpin and the guy who gets hit by a bus and then there's no pipeline. So I tried to really get more involved in marketing and in hiring outside firms to help deliver leads. And that worked. It worked. But still, it, it the game has changed. So if, I'm, if I have a cold caller, for example, calling on my behalf, reaching out to companies, they're going to get me into cold introductions. And I might have to have 10 of those or 20 of those resulting in six or eight pitches to land one project. Whereas with more warm networking and also with content marketing, the leads come inbound. And I find that to be a much better way. So putting out expert content, clearly defining our niche and adding on all the networking and the dinners. I tell, I tell my, my executive team, the ROI, on a $1,000 dinner with a great bottle of wine and a great steak is off the charts. It's 100 or 200x. I love that. So essentially by focusing on 
networking and the folks that are a bit warmer, it's a much better use of your time than going yeah. up to bat 20 times and getting one deal. Yes. And the second thing is, I would say, saying no to lots of business, defining the things at which we feel as though we're experts and the categories. Advertising is an intangible business. You can't touch it. You can't judge the quality. It's not, it, it shouldn't be treated as a commodity. And so if it's an intangible, they have to have a lot of evidence and a lot of trust up front before they're going to give you a $2 million digital marketing budget, a $10 million digital marketing budget, a $500,000 project. They have to have a lot of trust in you. And that the combination of that trust is what you say and, and, and your history of your projects, so your case studies, but also clear industry expertise. So we have clear industry expertise in health and wellness, in large-scale consumer e-commerce, and in home service appointment setting. At one point, we actually ran a call center with over 100 agents doing nothing but appointment setting for one of our clients. So I have a lot of stories to tell about our experience in those, a lot of evidence to bring to the table, but I don't have that in, say, government or in gambling industry or in, let's say, selling tickets to sporting events. The Atlanta Braves shouldn't hire me because I don't have a background in selling baseball tickets, but I do have a background in, in these other industries. And I think the combination of those give, allows me also to dial in to specific lists of targets and build relationships with them, connect with them on LinkedIn, go see them and begin to develop the presale. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really curious as you went through that journey, there was probably a point at which you took on a client for the first time in a certain vertical. How did that happen? Did they, were they willing to give the company a shot or did like, how did you get into the vertical for the first time? That happens either by an introduction from somebody who knows us, all right? And they, let's say they worked at us at one type of industry and they said, these are great guys, you should try them and talk them out. And then we, we, may, we get a, a good opportunity that may not be quite in our sweet spot. For example, we're working with a fintech company right now, and we don't have a lot of experience in fintech. Now, we have worked with a large credit union in the past, so we understand the compliance and the fact we're selling uh, loans and accounts and that sort of thing. But it was because the VP of marketing knew us, trusted us, knew me personally, and that's how he came to, to give us the opportunity. I think a second way that we might have a chance to pitch in an industry with which we don't have a lot of experience is when the world of chief marketing officers, they move around a lot. And let's say I was working with someone in the wellness industry and they get a new gig at some type of business we're not in, let's say the hotel business. Now, I'm not sure why they would get that chance, but let's say they land a job in that. They're probably going to call me because they have a past experience with me. They know our cost structure. They know uh, our on-time delivery of projects, and they know our their experience in whether or not we actually delivered ROI on their marketing. So if they trust all that, they're going to bring us in. And that's, that's the second way we get the chance. Makes a lot of sense. So any tactics, strategies, things you'd recommend that are like, top priority for all the other 
entrepreneurs, CEOs out there listening today and marketers. It, I know some are probably doing a bit of this networking, but is there any concrete do this, that, and the other thing or advice you'd have for them listening? Sure. The number one thing I would say is clarify your value proposition. If you're going to be contacting lots of people that maybe don't know you or don't have a lot of experience with you, they need to have an image in their mind of what at, at what your expert, your expertise is in and very clearly. So there are lots of people that know that my company has a lot of expertise in home services. There are a number of retail executives, hundreds that know we've worked with Home Depot, Staples, Rooms to Go, Carter, Spanx, large e-commerce players and large multi-channel retailers. So that body of executives know us and know that we have that expertise. So you have to clarify your value proposition. And if somebody asked me what our specialty is, I would say digital direct response marketing. Don't come to me for branding. Don't come to me to develop a logo. Don't come to me to build a big e-commerce website uh, or to run an Amazon store. Come to me for digital direct response marketing, mostly in paid media with a heavy concentration on analytics. And I need to work going after consumers. That's not a necessarily a, a great way, but it's not a very concise way to say it like an elevator pitch, but I'm very clear about painting the picture of this is what you should hire me for. And we can knock it out of the park. But if you're a large multinational B2B, I don't know that I'm the right person. Um, I'm not going to, I don't work in other countries and B2B has such a long sales cycle that we can't get the data back to optimize the way that we normally do in a high volume consumer campaign. So the first thing I would say is, just to get back to your question, Brad, clearly define what you are good at and you can make a great sales argument for hiring you. The second thing is go meet a lot of people. Now, I don't mean by emailing them or necessarily cold LinkedIn outreach with no background, but go meet them with workshops, go meet them at trade shows. That's the second thing I would do. The person who meets the most people is going to have the chance to make the most friends and get the most business. And then the third thing I would say is get involved in good content marketing. So define a set of problems that your market is dealing with and you can build unlimited amount of content. You and I right now could go into chat GPT and pick an industry and spit out 500 article titles and then build outlines for them and get them all written. And that content becomes very attractive over time to your market. Absolutely. Is there any advice you'd give to your younger self or, or anything, if you could go back in time, any landmines to avoid along this journey of building relationships, networking, putting all these things in place? Yes. Let's see. Oh, that's a great question. I've made so many mistakes. It's hard to choose. It's like a giant menu <laughs> of things I would tell myself. I would say right off from the bat, worry less about your website and how pretty it is, et cetera, and just go start calling people and just go start meeting people. That's the first thing I would say. The second thing is that I feel like there's lots of executives I've worked with. So if you're working with an enterprise level client, you're never working with one person. You may have a VP of marketing or a CMO that signed your contract, but you're working with their entire team 
which when we had Home Depot as a client, which was a long time ago, there were probably 20 different executives with whom we had contact. And I've lost touch with half of them. The other half I haven't lost touch with. In fact, I have three clients right now that formerly were Home Depot executives from more than a decade ago. But I wish I'd kept in touch with all the hundreds of people I met at clients over time. And I didn't do a really good job of that. So I would say never, ever let go of a contact. A good business contact, even if they're a coordinator at a client, eventually, five years later, they're going to be a director. Ten years later, they're very likely to be a senior director or a VP of marketing. And if you keep in touch with them, they are going to call you. I love that advice. Ken, any last words of wisdom, remaining remarks, closing remarks as we end the episode today? Yes. Always be prospecting and networking. Always. Never stop. Absolutely never stop. I love it. Ken, thanks so much for joining today and uh, sharing all your words of wisdom. It's much appreciated. Brad, thank you very much. Absolutely.